Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Quick Save, our gaming-focused segment of Comic Book Nation. I am your host, Logan Moore, and I am joined today by Mark DeChamps for the first time. Mark. Hello. What's up, guys? Good to be here. And we're also joined by Matt Aguilar. Matt, hello. Welcome back up, to everybody? your podcast slash gaming <laughs> podcast or whatever. You're back, you're back <laughs> on this one. Uh, for today's show, we are going to break down Nintendo's latest Direct. We are going to talk about the new DLC reveal for Elden Ring, Shadow of the Erd Tree, which finally has a release date. I'm sure I will be the one mainly geeking out about that. And then at the end of the show, we have been playing Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And we're going to open up with our thoughts about that game because that will in all likelihood maybe be the biggest game that comes out this year. Obviously not in terms of sales or anything, but it seems like that is going to be an early game of the year front runner. So we're going to share our initial thoughts on that. But first, let's start with Nintendo's latest direct. If you are listening to the show uh, the day this goes up within the past day, Nintendo held its first direct of 2024. It was a partner direct. So we did not get anything new from Nintendo themselves, which is something I actually want to talk to you guys about in a second. Uh, but the first thing I want to bring up here, and maybe this is a weird place to start, but they're bringing back Battlefront, which is like a huge, huge deal to me. And I think a lot of other people that this is the thing I feel like I've seen the most people talking about online in the wake of this direct is that they've got this Star Wars Battlefront classic collection. It's coming out next month. It's going to contain both Battlefront 1 and Battlefront 2. There's going to be 64 player online battles, which is crazy. Um, how are you guys feeling about this? Do you have the same sort of nostalgia that I do for this? Because this game hit at the perfect time for me when I Battlefront 2 specifically, like I was that's maybe one of the most played games I have ever played in my entire life. So I'm very geeked about this coming back. I'm kind of surprised how excited people are. Like that was my big takeaway. <laughs> like I no, and that's no offense to the games. Like I'm a I'm a Star Wars geek, but I never really got into them. And like I I didn't I didn't sink any time into them either. Um, but man, I was taken aback by how excited people were. And I thought that was really cool. It's it's funny when you see just how big something is. Like like when you aren't you know, in that part of the conversation and all of a sudden, like you see it explode on social media. Cause I mean that those games were kind of pre social media era, uh, at least not what it is now. Um, so just seeing the, the reactions on, on like Twitter and blue sky and stuff like that was pretty wild. Yeah. Matt, I was a have... little taken aback as well. Like I was a little surprised that it was as big of a thing, but I totally yeah. get it. I mean, I, I'm around long enough to know like how big those were uh, at the time. I dove into the original more than the sequel. Um, it's just because like that type of game typically isn't like one I'll sink a ton of time into. Like I'll dabble, but you know, and I'm showing my age by saying dabble. Uh, but like I, <laughs> but like I, you know, I I mess with it and and I but I was surprised at like I mean the trailer you know, kind of 
kind of got me kind of got me almost like oh man if i had a switch you know maybe i'd jump back in just try it you know be fun especially now right because you got to remember a lot of parents now have kids with switches and with machines and they're like oh look at this play this i loved this you know and and you have a lot of that happening too and it would totally be something i would hand to ember and go like hey play you know was mace windu in the second one i don't remember like where uh yeah mace i'm pretty was. sure he was yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> so like you're adding you're chip fisto this time yeah yeah that's chip actually awesome. awesome so it's and coming so out of the stage that. yeah What'd you say, Mark? It's coming to everything. It's it's gonna it's yes. not it's not a Switch exclusive or anything That's like right. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, it's coming to PlayStation, Xbox, yeah. Switch. I I'm not sure if it's coming to PC. I think there are already PC versions of it, but they're obviously not these versions. Like these versions are going to be upres just a bit and stuff like that, and have new online functionality. Yeah, this like I said, these games hit at the perfect time for me. Everybody that I knew growing up, I'm a bit younger than you guys too. So like everybody that I knew growing up was playing these games all the time i would go to all of my friends houses and they would be you want to play battlefront and we like that was what i did i can name eight people off the top of my head whose houses i went to as a kid and played battlefront like so this was a huge (laughs) deal i the the way they dropped this direct too was one of the ones where it wasn't live and you could skim through it and i just remember skimming through it and i saw this i'm like this is going to be the biggest thing from this direct we need to we need to cover this ASAP because I'm telling you, this is going to blow up on socials and it did. And that was the thing that I saw so many people talking about yesterday. If, uh, it, if it was a, if it was a port of like super star Wars trilogy, I think like Matt and I oh, was like, yeah, that was me as a kid. You know, <laughs> those, I tried to play those. I had a super Nintendo back in the day. I had, the, I had all three of those games on my super Nintendo, but no, it wasn't. I do. It, I do think it's interesting too, like Rich in the comments, right? Like, I just want a new Battlefront 3. Is this the wet the appetite, see how it sells to where we get a full remake? That's what a lot of people have been saying. I don't think so. To me, this just feels like the latest uh Star Wars series that because Aspire is doing this, that Aspire Mm -hmm. is bringing back. And over the past three or four years they've slowly been bringing back you know the kotor games and then they did the pod racing games i think and then they did uh, like republic commando they've done like pretty much every big star wars game that you could think of they have brought back at this point these were like the glaring omissions in the star wars gaming catalog that have been still tied to old platforms um so i don't think this is going to lead to a battlefront three especially because i mean here's the thing like everybody keeps saying like make battlefront three but like games in this style just are not made anymore like this is a this is a product of that era and like you can't go back and just kind of capture lightning in a bottle like they tried to make a new battlefront and you saw what that looked like and i actually like both of ea's battlefront games surprisingly um so like they're not no one's going to come along really and be like let's make a ps2 error era multiplayer shooter <laughs> like that's just not really a thing so i i can't see this leading to a battlefront 3 but I mean, I would love to, I would love to be wrong. I'll, I'll say this quick shout out to my one friend, uh, Turner. He is not really much of a gamer at all, but he loves Battlefront. It's his favorite thing in the world. He still owns a PS2 just to hook up to his TV periodically <laughs> and play Battlefront. Amazing. And that's all he will do. And he's tried to like get his wife into it and stuff like that. He was the first person I texted yesterday. And I was like, you have to go buy like a PS4 now for like 50 bucks on Craigslist or something in <laughs> And, and get battlefront you can play it on a current console so so do that and uh 
he's like, what, really? And so he was surprised about that. But this is exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to try these out next next month, especially because I never did the online stuff in the original games. I think those were Xbox Live uh, enabled, and I never did that. So it'll be fun to play them online for the first time. All right, moving along, though. Uh, we've also got a remake of Epic Mickey, which was the thing that we were talking about here uh, before the show. This was a big surprise because I feel like a lot of people just thought that this series was dead forever, given kind of how the reception and the sales for the second game went. Uh, there was a third game that was supposed to be made. There was a Donald Duck spinoff of Epic Mickey that was supposed to be made as well. And all that stuff shuddered about 10 years ago. But they're bringing it back now. This is a, an old Nintendo Wii platformer. I think this looks really good. I've never played this game. Mark, I don't think you've played this game either, but are you going to give it a shot this time around? Yeah, I think so. It's funny because like there was a lot of hype around this game when it first came out on Wii. Like I remember this game being everywhere. And you know, I was I was in my my early 20s, you know, early, you know, early college. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh Mickey Mouse, you know, no way. Uh so I was a little too cool for school for for this when it came out. And you know, now now I'm a little bit older. I'm like, oh, you know, Mickey Mouse. Everybody, everybody raved about this game. Um, and it was funny because this is another game, kind of, kind of like Battlefront. I didn't realize the the following it had. Um, I remember like four years ago, they started doing new merchandise for Epic Mickey, like for the anniversary. And I was like, people care enough that there's like retro merchandise coming to Hot Topic for like Epic Mickey but um it you know people people like it and you know it it did it did pretty well back in the day you know enough to to warn a sequel so i'm excited to i'm excited to actually finally get a chance to play it matt have you played this one for yourself yeah so i played the original um and then i did not play the second one um just because i didn't have the i don't remember having the console at the time i think it was uh, on everything it, it hit was it on everything? Mm -hmm. Okay, then I just missed it. So I think, um, a lot of, I think a lot of people missed it. So you're not alone. <laughs> um, but I remember really enjoying uh, the original. And so it was kind of a, I mean, look, Disney in a lot of ways is timeless, especially when you deal with Mickey Mouse. Uh, you know, they'll release stuff at the parks, right, for decades after, <laughs> after something has uh, sailed away on most of its kind of uh, box office draw and they'll still make money, right? So it's always kind of like never say never on these. But I will say as someone who has watched their daughter watch a YouTube walkthrough slash cutscene compilation of Magical Mirror, I have watched that like four times all the way through. I've never played the game. I've just watched it and I'm just looking at this and going, oh, this is great. I get like, it's gorgeous. Uh, I can actually play this one and she can watch something else that is like, I don't have to see that again for the 90th time. Because every time I watch it, I'm like, oh my God, the control, the controls look awful uh, just from watching it play out. So I'll be happy to kind of upgrade it. You know, it looks fun. I'm always down for Mickey. I mean, um, I'm in a little bit of a Disney renaissance right now with Speedstorm because I'm really enjoying that too. Uh, so I, I'm in. This is, this is fun. This is the kind of thing I, I dig. I think the larger, like you were talking, Mark, that you didn't know there was such a, a, a fan base around this game. I definitely think this is like a cult classic in a lot of ways. But I also think that the response to this just kind of shows that, and, and this is true for myself as well, that like Mickey Mouse is one of the most popular characters on the planet. And he really has like no representation in video games at all anymore, which is and 
historically he's had a little bit more of a represent like you talked about uh like there's been what castle of illusion and then the magical mirror and then these these games but over the past 10 or 15 years there's really been nothing mickey related other than like you mentioned Speedstorm, like something like that like these disney compilation games where it's like a a grab bag of a bunch of different disney stuff at once um so i think this coming back is exciting for a lot of people myself included just because it's like hey Disney has some representation in the video game space in 2024, even though this is just a remake. Um, and that's something I would like to see a little bit more of. I, I, we talked in our last episode about the whole Disney and uh, Fortnite situation with what's going on there. I would like to see Disney double down and do more with its games in or do more with its IP in the video game space. Like that's just something that I feel like is easy money for them in some ways, if they make a good game or if they work with, great developers um and maybe this is a, a platform for for that to happen again similar to what you were saying with battlefront Matt, i saw a lot of people saying like oh could this pave the way for epic mickey 3 and it's like i don't know maybe right. not but maybe it'll wake disney up to like do something else you know because like they've just they've got so many great so many great ip that they're sitting on like their original ip not even counting whatever the heck they've purchased right. over the past 20 years um that they could they could make some great games with it and i i feel like a mickey mouse platformer is like like such a such a great idea that they could just continue returning to that well so it's um, such a no-brainer yeah I, on that note they actually this is kind of like the next step you know in that journey because they they had said a, a few years ago that they really wanted to make video games a big part of of like the their their journey their their whole thing and you know we've seen it with Speedstorm and um, uh, Dreamlight Valley, which has a really yeah, passionate fan base. Both those are from Gameloft. And uh, last year we had uh, Illusion Island, which was actually a really cool mm-hmm. TV platformer. I, um, I totally forgot about that. Illusion Island was really good. It was a really good game, and and it got you know it got some it got some uh, some Game of the Award uh, Game of the Year uh, award nominations. I don't think it won anything, but um, really cool, passionate team that was behind that one. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's cool to see, you know, some of these, some of these licenses getting, you know, a new shot at life. Yeah. All right, let's do some rapid fire through the rest of this direct, because I know we've got a lot of other things to hit on, but we've got a larger show ahead of us. So, uh, Mark, I'm going to go to you for this one. New monkey ball game, monkey ball, banana, something or another. I can't remember the exact name of it. If, if you do <laughs> now, now you're giving, now you're putting me on the spot. I'm trying to think what the, what the name of it, it was. wasn't banana blitz because that was one of the other it was ones, like banana battle or something, banana mania, something. Uh, what was it? They always do these banana, these banana names. And I'm like, Oh, come on. Like I'm getting them all mixed up with this banana rumble. Banana Rumble. Okay. Super Monkey Ball Banana Rumble. What did you think about this? Were you excited I, for this at all? I'm the Super Monkey Ball guy. I've liked the series since GameCube. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been a while since we've had a wholly original Super Monkey Ball. The last two games have been remasters slash ports. Um, so I'm excited to see them do something different. Um, I thought it was weird that it was a Switch exclusive. Um because the last two have not been. So that's interesting. But, uh, you know, like they're, they've got like 16 player um, online mode, which is going to be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for it. We'll, we'll see if we'll see if it reaches the heights of the original two games on GameCube, which nothing has since. 
Yes, I like those first two games on GameCube a lot as well, and nothing has ever lived up to those. Um, I want to mention quickly, Mother 3 is finally releasing on Switch, but not in America, which is probably just the absolute funniest possible thing (laughs) Nintendo could have done. Like, if you're not aware, if you're listening to this and you're not aware of that game's history, long story short, people have been clamoring for that game to come to the West for... 20 25 years or something like that and they never have and then yesterday they announced it's releasing on switch but not for you guys in the west so, so cruel such so. a troll it's, it's funny because it's become such a punchline too like even like nintendo of america's old president was was you know reggie was joking about this yeah and like we're still here and it's still not you know i, I think it's, it's gonna happen like they they brought the original nes one here you know just randomly on wii u a few years ago so i i feel like we'll get there but it's nintendo seems to be in their like remaster remake era right now too like i think of like super mario rpg that came out last year we've got uh paper mario thousand year doors finally coming back we've got i don't know luigi's mansion 2 is coming to switch for some reason this year like they're they're remastering and porting a lot of games so maybe they'll finally take another uh, glimpse it'd be funny if the remake hit before the original I mean, that's probably just the more likely thing <laughs> yeah. that would happen at this point, to be honest. You know what I, I mean? Don't, I, don't, I think the original is is just lost unless you have a fan translation, which I know there are there are comprehensive, very comprehensive ones out there that you can download or emulate or whatever online. Uh, I wanted to mention Shin Megami Tensei Five Vengeance. I have not played SMT Five, but I have wanted to. And then when they announce this and then when they announce it's on PS5, I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. Because like, I just, I want to play these games. I have nothing against it being on Switch, but it's just PS5 is like my preferred place to play a lot of Atlas games, Persona and stuff like that. So to see that this is finally coming to PS5 and there's a new route into it, awesome. I will probably finally play this. This is also like, this is very like nerdy, maybe not, I don't know. This is like quietly becoming like the year of Atlas. We've got Persona 3 Reload. We've now got this coming out in the summer. And then in the fall, we've got the new Metaphor Refantasio game. Or yeah, Casio that looks game, so cool. Which I am so hyped for. Um, This is like, they're having a great year. They're having a really, really great year on all fronts. And then maybe we'll get a Persona 6 reveal at some point in the coming months. Probably not. I have no hope for that, but you never know. So. I had to mention that. Um, I wanted to also mention, this is another follow-up from our previous episode. Xbox finally announced they're bringing four games to other platforms. Switches has some representation amongst this. Uh, in the Direct, they revealed that Pentiment is coming to Switch. It's actually out today, the day we're recording. Um, so you can go pick that up and play it right now. Grounded, the game from Obsidian, is coming in April. And then Sea of Thieves is coming to PS5. I believe that's also in April. And then Hi-Fi Rush is coming to PS5 in March. So next month. What do you guys think about this? Any grand takeaways? This this had all leaked beforehand. So this is really just confirmation confirmation of what we sort of already knew. How do you guys feel about these like first four games they're bringing over to new platforms? There was such a freak out about this and I get it because I, you know, ever since Sega went third party, I think everybody's just nervous about like their favorite doing the same thing um but if you look at all four games they're all games that make a lot of sense to go multi-platform um like sea of thieves like you're gonna increase the number of people playing sea of thieves by putting it on ps5 like that's a total no-brainer for that hi-fi rush i loved hi-fi rush you know a a lot of people love hi-fi rush but it didn't sell very well and it's just it makes sense like i 
that's that's a game that will be on Switch too. I would assume when that system comes out. If it's not a launch game, it'll be out like within the first year of Switch too, um, because that's a game that got huge award uh, award traffic, got a, a ton of you know write ups from from the industry, but just didn't sell very well. And you know you can see Microsoft believes in it as a franchise, um, and it's it's a big game from a, a Japanese developer. And Microsoft needs interest in Japan. Um, they don't have a lot of Japanese developers. They don't have a lot of games that appeal to that demographic either. And Hi-Fi Rush totally fits for them in that regard. Um, and I'd love to see that series continue on and, and get a sequel and, and become something. So if it going multi-platform means that happens, then, you know, that's a great thing. Mark, you mentioned Switch 2, and I just want to go ahead and naturally kind of transition to that um, because the, my kind of end cap for this this topic with the Direct is that this was a partner Direct, so Nintendo did not reveal any of its own games. They're still being incredibly quiet. You know, we've got the Princess Peach game coming up. We've got, like I said before, the Luigi's Mansion 2 and uh, Paper Mario. Like, we know a couple things coming up, but Nintendo itself, we have no idea what they're doing this year. Uh, within the past week, week, reports have come about that the Switch 2 is now delayed from late 2024 to early 2025, which sucks. Obviously, Nintendo never announced the Switch 2, so that's something that people shouldn't have even gotten necessarily all that excited about in the first place, but you can't sort of help yourself, especially in the line of work that we're in. I guess my question for you guys is, like, when do you think we get the next, like, proper Direct, and when do you think the Switch 2 is finally revealed? I think the current rumors are saying, like, a June reveal is what Nintendo is now looking to do, which still seems almost too early in my mind. I don't know. What do you guys think? It depends on when it is in 2025. Um, Now, what I'm hearing is first quarter. And if it's first quarter, I would think you're going to see the same window as switch would be March, which would be March. So like, you know, basically a year from now. Um, so I think June would make a lot of sense for a reveal. Um, you could tell from the direct yesterday, we're in a holding pattern right now. Um, just if you look at everything that's coming out first party wise, they're good games, you know, another code recollection was good and Mario versus Donkey Kong was good, but these are ports and remasters it's very clear that that you know the big stuff is being held. Give us the Switch Zelda 2. ports. We need those. Bridge the gap to I'm Switch shocked. 2. Give us the Zelda ports. Where are they at? <laughs> we need Twilight Princess and Wind Waker on Switch. Just do it already. Yeah, I, maybe maybe they're holding that for for winter. That's going to be my big that's going to be my my the thing that I really want to see uh is what happens in winter if Switch 2 really is in quarter 1 25. Um because you know right now the only games that we have left that have been announced first party wise are, are uh, Princess Peach, which is next month, um, Luigi's Mansion 2 HD, which you mentioned, and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. And technically, um, Metroid Prime Four, I guess. Listen, I'm 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 repping Metroid right now. Um, I I could honestly see this being the year of Metroid Prime Four <clears throat> because Nintendo really likes to when they when they make a promise. They really like to fulfill it. And we saw this with Twilight Princess where it ran into the Wii and they made sure it came out on GameCube. They they knew that they had promised that, so they made sure it came out on both Same systems. thing with Breath of the Wild and stuff like Same that. Same thing with Breath of the Wild. So I think that we could see Metroid Prime 4 conceivably 
you know, at the end of the year, like that could be the, the swan song title. Everybody thought tears of the kingdom was going to be the big end. And then it was Mario wonder. And maybe it really is Metroid prime four. Maybe it finally happens. It's been over five years since that game got relaunched. You know, it could be it. Nintendo could also probably just not release anything this year. And I imagine switches would still oh, yeah. fly off the shelves at a pretty decent clip. And I think they would be, they would be fine. They've built up themselves a nice little buffer here that even if the last year of the switch kind of drags just a bit, I think they will be, they'll be more than fine, but I'm very excited and curious to see what they're going to say next. And like when all those announcements will finally start coming about and, I, I I need a Paper Mario release date is what I need. I, I'm really excited to to play that game again on Switch. The fact that we don't know Paper Mario's release date leads me to believe like it'll be like Super Mario RPG. It'll be like October or something. So it kind of fits that Christmas window, but like it's not quite in there. It could be one of those situations where the game's done too, and they just opt to hold it because they know that they need more time to fill until the switch two is out so like 100 could have conceivably been like a first half of this year game and now they're like okay we're gonna kind of recalculate and replan our release schedule here um that's it for nintendo let's talk about elden ring and i feel like the talk about elden ring will just be me ranting about elden ring because i know <laughs> matt and mark you guys are not necessarily from software guys <laughs> or elden ring guys and i should no, say no. this up front like i have not i have not played elden but I have played every other FromSoft game and they're arguably my favorite games ever. So it's very unusual that I have not <laughs> played Elden Ring yet. I, but I've just, I've been waiting for the DLC. Like it got to such a point where it was like, I want to play this, I want to play this. And then they announced the DLC and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to hold off until the DLC comes out and then I'll just play everything. It'll be like one huge experience for myself. And then they decided to take forever revealing the dlc they announced it last february we didn't get our first trailer until yesterday uh and they finally confirmed that shadow of the Erd tree will launch on june 21st which is actually the same day as shimigami tensei 5 is coming out so that's all, all of a sudden a huge day um <laughs> it looks awesome like i i don't know if you guys have any takeaways just from the trailer in general the bosses look great the 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 from software is always like at the top of their game when it comes to world design and monster design, boss design, like all that stuff is again off the, off the chain here in this trailer. Um, I think this looks fantastic. I am personally glad that I have waited. I think I'm going to now try to line up my playthrough with the launch of the DLC. So like maybe start around like March or April playing through this game and then see if I can finish the main game, like right when the DLC drops, um, I have a wedding in the middle of that for myself that I'm in a honeymoon that I'm going to have to try to calculate this all around as well. So that will be interesting on, on my end. But I, I am super excited about this to also put in con into context just how big this is. They're releasing a dedicated collector's edition for this, which I cannot remember ever happening for a piece of DLC or an expansion like I that's a first that I can. I mean, it's I'm sure it's be happened first. before. It's it, it really happened unusual. before. But like, I cannot remember anything like that ever happening in the past. Like that's just, that just really goes to show you how I think big this is going to be too. Like if this was a five or 10 hour piece of content, I don't think they're going to look to charge people 250 bucks for a collector's edition or something like that, you know? Um, yeah. So like, I'm really excited for this. Um, I'm thrilled to finally play it. I don't know if you guys are going to ever even give this a shot or if you care whatsoever, or if you have anything you want to say, feel free to. It looks, I mean, it looks stunning. Like it yeah, looks it absolutely gorgeous. I just know 
who I am as a gamer. And I'm like, I just don't think this is for me. And I'm shocked how many people it was for. Like it, it sold incredibly so, well. over 20 million copies. And like, I, like I expected it to be a success. I did not expect it to be that level of like cultural phenomenon. And yeah, it's, it is. I was talking to our coworker Tanner yesterday when this was debuting. And I think the reveal trailer for this had like 500,000 concurrent people viewing the trailer as it went live, which is just crazy. Like this really did like, I, I thought this game would be big too, but I'd never expected it to become just like, a game that people were talking about like you know have you played call of duty have you played elden ring like <laughs> like there's like far yeah. more mainstream products that this fi- found a way to break into when the game itself is for very very hardcore audiences i feel like like you guys have mentioned well that's like, the thing just- like i'm with mark like i know that these games are not typically my jam like it's just the the amount of punishment uh that you know, you have to endure to get to that really great stuff. I I don't have like I've just not computed that way anymore. I probably was at one point in time, but not anymore. Uh, so I just know going in. However, what I will say is that this trailer made me want to go play it. And it's and it's like if it can do that to someone who already knows what they're getting into, then I think it's a you know, that's the example of a great trailer. Uh it's it's stunning. The boss battles look amazing. Uh, I will die plenty of times, probably giving it a shot and then be like, I'm good. <laughs> I'll watch someone else play it. Who's good at this game. Uh, but, but it did make me want to go get a copy. I mean, it, it did work. Uh, this, this does look phenomenal. I'm, I'm thrilled to finally start playing it here within the coming months. So I'll report back on that. If I have anything interesting to say about a game that's already been out for two years. Uh, in a second though we'll talk about a game that is not even out yet uh we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we will be diving into our thoughts on final fantasy 7 rebirth which is out at the end of this month so be sure to join us for that in just a moment we're back uh matt you and i've been playing final fantasy 7 rebirth you have been playing it far more than I have been playing it, though. Um, so let's dive into that. The review embargo broke for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth this morning. Our official review is up on the website. Uh, Evan reviewed the game for us. I believe he gave it a 5 out of 5, which seems to be the consensus for a lot of other outlets around the internet. I believe the Metacritic score before I hopped into this was sitting currently at a 93. Uh, so this is... Reviewing very, very well. Reviewing pretty... I think this is even maybe reviewing higher than Final Fantasy VII Remake did. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Saying a lot so. because, because that game was already incredibly acclaimed in its own right. And uh, now it seems that Square Enix has found a way to improve what they did in that game. Matt, what is your... Just top down. We'll, we'll dive into some more nitty gritty stuff here. And I know Mark has a lot of questions for this too. So I want Mark to ask questions here throughout... Uh, as we dive into this, but what are, what are your broad thoughts on this? How do you feel like it matches up to uh remake? Is this, do you think this is going to be game of the year this year? Like, is it, is it that good? Um, well, number one, I'm going to, you know, be upfront, right? Uh, Final Fantasy seven is like one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, so <laughs> I already come in a little predisposed, uh, to hypercritical because I adore that game. I played it three times. 
Um, but you know, it's still like there's still a love for for this game. Uh, and I will say, I think one of the big reasons that it's it's actually reviewing better um and probably going to open to bigger acclaim is that this one is a more it has more open world elements than the last one did. Um, I'm perfectly fine with a linear, a more linear style Final Fantasy game. I adored Final Fantasy 16. Uh, there's parts of the Lightning trilogy that I enjoy, even though that first one really sucks. Uh, but <laughs> other, but like I, there's still other parts of that, right? So I'm okay with a linear experience. That said, this one, what three hours, two hours in, three hours in, automatically like just kind of tables that and yes you're getting all the story you're getting all the diving on the sephiroth and and cloud stuff but it's also very much like you could spend five six hours just in that first opening space and be perfectly content and there's tons of different side quests that open up and and all kinds of other mechanics that feed back into the central one. so i just think from that perspective uh people will enjoy that even more so than remake just because of that approach uh, i think that will win over a lot of people that maybe thought you know the first remake was a little uh too linear for them uh and and so far i mean it they just keep going with the storytelling and they keep going with the, you know, the graphical fidelity and the, the battle system. I think they found such a nice balance, uh, in, you know, balancing those active mechanics and being able to control your other people, materia that lets you delegate to other characters and let them operate more autonomously, uh, without you having to control each and every one of them. So all that stuff, I just think it's, it's more approachable in that regard. I don't know. What do you think so far? Um, I'm still at the point where it hasn't really like opened up a ton for me. Like, again, I've been juggling a bunch of other things lately and I've also just not had, I've not been home as much as I would have liked to have been the past two weeks. So I've not had as much time to even play games. Um, I would, I have not played the originals. So the original final fantasy. So I played remake, but I don't have the same sort of love for this series that I know a lot of other people do. So I'm coming in a little bit more blind to like, where they're going and what they're going what they're doing in this game um i i i enjoy a lot so far though um i think it's a step up in just about all the ways that i've seen so far um again it's it's just small refinements here and there too like on the combat and stuff like that the broad beat the broad strokes remain similar but it's just they're putting it Mm -hmm. in kind of in a different and the game's opened up far more um the thing the question i had for you though is because like i said i don't think i've reached the point where it really opens up a lot yet and I played 16 last year and 16 kind of does this weird thing where it's like they put you in these open world environments, but they're not really enticing to explore in the slightest. And it's like, that's actually one of the game's biggest drawbacks. I feel is that like you're in these huge open areas, but there's just nothing to do in them. How do they approach that in rebirth here as the game starts to really expand its scale? And do you think the open world design is like drastically better compared to 16 or is it, does it still feel like empty in certain places? It feels more actually kind of like a step back to what the original did uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I Compared to 16, it's night and day. Uh, it's, you know, that was actually one of my biggest issues with 16, um, that I like the side quests that are there. There's just like eight of them. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. everything else you're doing in that world is you're walking. Uh, and they were and all it's really pretty. Too, like yeah, and they like were all no that, variation. you know. 
so it that was my biggest issue uh and here I, I don't i don't have that problem yet um you know i'm clocking in and about um like you know 18 hours um and so i don't have that issue yet i mean there's there's all the standard stuff like the chadley kind of working with him on you know getting like battle stats and you open towers kind of a la you know assassin's creed uh that again give you more things to explore in the world you're riding chocobos and you can discover treasure along the way and you actually have to use their senses to do that uh little things like that even when riding a chocobo like there's still like a couple of mini games associated with that and that's kind of the recipe for everything else um you know there's the combat itself is as fun as anything like you mentioned uh but being able to then tie back into all the summons and all that like you had to do before right you have to beat that in chadley's system but you have to like discover things first and then unlock that so like there's a there's like a reason to be exploring what and the cities feel you know much more uh alive than you know 16s uh like there's you know there's stuff to do uh you know, also, I got to say, and I'm blanking on the name now. I had it in my brain. The card game that they did. Oh, they, so, yes. Uh, I know it, too. Blood, I'm blanking uh, on oh. it as well. <laughs> but it's going to drive me nuts. Okay. I'll look it up. I have I spent know, I know way too much time playing that thing. Like, I need an app. I need a Gwent-style app for that's that. What, like that That's is, exactly what I've heard people comparing it to is Gwent. Queen's Blood. That's what it does. Yes. It is yes. so fun. I and you can go around challenging people all over the world, and there's like a guy with a trading card shop, right? Like, there's all these things that are fun to do and fun to explore. I, of course, want as we go on, I want more variety. And also, too, you got to remember, like, the way the story goes, you are headed to a casino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, you are gonna start. They've already shown the stuff in the in the games, right? That was such a big part of the original and so being able to go to golden saucer and have all those different mini games and stuff like there's going to be stuff to do in this world so yeah night and day compared to 16 the trading card stuff scares me because i know how i played witcher 3 and gwent like derailed me in that game yeah like i got so dragged off the beaten path to just run around and play gwent with people that like eventually I set the game down. I'm like, I, I don't think I can finish this. I played it for like 50 hours though. But like in the grand scope of what I did, it was like a whole lot of nothing because I just kept playing Gwent with people in that game. Um, Mark, I, I can have you jump in on a question, but I think I know the question you might want to ask. Um, and I'll, I'll just say, how do you think, do you think Mark, Mark here I know has been talking on our team about how he hasn't played Remake. Do you think he can dive right into Rebirth? Matt. So they do a very good job with an opening introduction that catches you up. It's the story so far. It does a good job. It does. I played the original final fantasy seven. I just haven't played remake yet. My, my right. copy of remake so, is still sitting there. So what's most interesting about the way remake approaches that is because there is a, that opening thing of, Hey, here's a story so far does leave out some, some kind of key context. To me, that I feel like you only get if you've played, or at least read a wiki, right? But <laughs> you only play the original game. Like you, I there, and it's just the way that they're balancing what actually happened and everything tied to the whispers. So, like everything that mm. 
you know that happened as fact in the original game paired with these kind of other realities that were, and they play on that early on in this, right? Because like, I can say it. I mean, Zach plays a role in this, right? So like there's there's things tied to in the original game. There's things tied to Eris death that obviously are are played with. Like, did that is that gonna happen here now that things are free of the whispers and like there's some amount of freedom, your fate is yours. Like there's all those things that it kind of plays with that I feel like the opening little cinematic doesn't quite it kind of glosses over. So I feel like certain things you might get a little lost in, and they keep playing with that. Did this really happen? Are you aren't you supposed to be like something else happened to you that I'm remembering, but you don't? So there's that kind of question that I think might lead to some confusion um, if you haven't played the original. But then again, I also think like people are smart. You know what I mean? Like you can if yeah. there's some piece you're missing, you can go dive in and go, hey, what is this about? And someone will explain it <laughs> and you can you can I, play. I, I think it would be OK for you to jump in. You you mentioned Aerith's death, so I I feel like we could just kind of talk about that. That's that's like the big question, you know, going into this game. You know, they've they've hyped for four years, you know, that they might not kill Aerith in this game. And like we know this game ends with that scenario, or at least in that location. Right. Um, so I'm just so fascinated. I'm so fascinated by that. And the fact that Zach's around and anybody that played Crisis Core knows that like Zach Did you play Aerith, Crisis Core, Mark? What's up? Did you play Crisis Core? I, I did. I, I, I actually just that. finished Crisis Core the other day. Okay. And it was funny because I started it back in like October, September, October, and I finally finished it. Um, and I went from like when I started, I'm like, like, what's the deal with Zach? Like, he's such a dork. And then like <laughs> as the game went on, I was like, oh, he is a dork, but like I really like this guy. And I'm so invested now in, in him being this main character in rebirth, whereas he he's in a flashback in the original final fantasy seven and that's it. Right. Um, but now I'm so invested in him being around and what the heck is going on with him. And like, does he get a happy ending with Aerith? Like, what are they going to do? Like I'm, I'm all in on this and I'm, that's, that's to me, that's the biggest, you know, that's the biggest hook for this game. Well, I, I think, think that's that, what they've done so well. I think that's yeah. the beauty of what they've done with this story is that they're walking that line. You you don't, the fact that they're making you guess and that you don't honestly know, and they're bringing in all this extra material that, you know, for the longest time, Final Fantasy fans were like, yeah, they ate up and they bought it. <laughs> but like, they were like, you know, pissy about it because they're like, oh, I didn't add anything. And now they're like recontextualizing all of that. And and you you are guessing going for i mean there's a whole thing early on in this one because like this one really opens up in like a big flashback scene that's like the first hour of the game is like flashback stuff right but again it's done really well and it's filling in some things that you obviously know from the first game regarding sephiroth but like it's the way i've never seen genova contextualized as well i think they did a good job of actually like streamlining some of that and still making it you know disturbing and you know creepy and cringy in some Very spots but it always was going times. to be <laughs> yeah it was always going to be but like they've they did it in a way that i feel like someone could walk away from from this and go yeah okay i get it i understand what's going on i understand some what's happening with that um and the fact that they're able to do all that plus build out you know an open world and make the battle system as great i mean they're even tying like 
your your character relationships are important again, right? So like everyone starts out kind of pissed at you <laughs> as as Cloud. Like everyone's kind of it's not like they're negative, but they're just very like uh, up apathetic as far as like their level of care. And so as you play do synergy abilities in combat as you do actions with them in the open world and quests as you do story related things that relationship starts to build up again and so it's just they're layering all that on top of the fact that they're making you guess on a story that is how many years old it's pretty impressive it's 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 i I really like the conclusion of remake because i felt like my whole time playing that game was like trying to understand like what that game was and wh- what they were doing. Right. Cause again, it was all, I was blind to all of it. And then when you got to the end of they're like, Nope, we're going to subvert fate. No one knows what's going to happen next. I'm like, cool. I feel like I can be a part of the conversation now moving forward <laughs> rather than just like, I feel like so much of remake was just people like, Oh, look at that part. That's so cool. Like when, uh, like Kate Sith shows up randomly at the very end of that game. And like so many people are like, Oh my gosh, there he is. And I'm like, who the heck is yeah. that? Like, what is what is <laughs> happening here? Like, like I just felt so like lost at times with the first game. And so to have rebirth come along and it is still following the same beats as the original final fantasy seven, but they're obviously subverting expectations and doing things that even established fans like yourself, Matt, like you don't know exactly what they're going to be doing long-term. Right. Like that's really exciting, and I think that allows people like myself who've never played the original to just, like I said, be part of that conversation and kind of have not feel like I'm missing out because of that. That's exactly how I felt so much back. What, I think in 2020, that's what it's about. First came about. Yeah, right. It's it's My, about growing that audience, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, Mark. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You're good. My big question too is that if they do, I mean, if they do kill Aerith. Are they going to be able to do so in a way that still continues that unexpected train for four years? I mean, because realistically, it's going to be another four years before this trilogy ends, if not more. So that was the big that was the big hype surrounding this game. Can they continue that is is my question. I mean, obviously, we have not reached the end. Right, right. We haven't reached the end, so we're not saying anything definitive, but I would be shocked if this game ends in just the exact same way as the original Final Fantasy VII, because that kind of like defeats the whole purpose of like the undoing fate stuff that they did in the first game. And so if at the end of the day, we get to the same resolution where it's just like, oh, yep, she's dead again. It's like, what was kind of the point of everything else that happened prior to this, you know? Exactly. I I also think that feeds into the long game of this, because like what you were mentioning, Logan, was that the... The unexpected is part of what's fun about this. So it, it is kind of funny to me when I see people complain about like, okay, well, Vincent's in the game. I haven't actually run in, you know, like I, I can't say anything about that. I mean, they've shown him in the trailers. That's <laughs> like what that. I would say. I can't say anything about it. But what I will say is like we've seen, right, in trailers and things like that. Like Vincent and Sid, we know that they're in the game and you like get to interact with them in some way, right? Um, but people are like when they learn that they weren't playable, they were like, well, you don't get to, you know, you don't get to play as them and how crappy is that? And as Mark was alluding to, this is a long game scenario. There are multiple, like, because there's a whole other chapter that you have to do, why the hell would it make sense uh, to then have literally all your other playable characters in this chapter? Because then there's nothing new, right? And what I love here is that because Aerith didn't die, for those who played the original and try to game shark it and max 
out to 999 because Aerith died so early. You didn't get even to use her, like her limit break, right? Like yeah, that was the whole like the thing. Most, there's tons of. <laughs> she was the most yeah, there's, teammate in the whole game and she died. <laughs> exactly. So like you actually get to play as her, develop her skill tree and all those things here. Plus then right uh, from, you know, integrated like Yuffie having her in the mix is great cat. And then also, you know, red was in the first one but you didn't get to play as him. Now you get to play as like, there's so that's much. What I, that's what I was that going you, to bring up too, is that red was like yeah. the big omission in the last game. And everybody was like, well, why can't we play as him? And it's like, well, it's clear. They're, they're trying to save some stuff here. Like <laughs> right. you know, there's three games, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. Like it was three discs guys, like <laughs> relax, you know, geez. Um, so yeah, there is a little bit of that too, but I think it's, it's tied to the long game. And I will agree with you, Logan. I think that if it ends in the exact same way, I will be bummed mostly not because, I mean, I've been prepared that Aerith might die for, since the original game, right? So that's not going <laughs> to like super shock me. But it's more about, oh, they they kind of hewed a little too close. I want to see them take chances. I want to see them take risks. Uh, and I like not being able to guess everything. It's cool. It's a, it's a fun thing. It's funny because I'm seeing people guess like, oh, does somebody else die? You know, does Cloud die? Does, does you know, Tifa die? And like... Obviously, they're they're not going to kill Cloud, but hey, that's what that's the expectation that Square Enix has has given people, and I think that's awesome. Death is so like integral to this story, though. Too like like Aerith's death is like the moment of the game. So like something's going to have to happen along those lines. I'm not yeah, sure what, right. but uh, maybe if we finish the game, we could do a big spoiler cast and talk about this <laughs> at a later sure. date. But I know that's going to take forever. Because every I've been I've been joking a lot lately and saying like why is every game like sixty to eighty hours now and it really feels like that is just the case like becoming an adult and trying to play games on the side is not it's tough it's not it's not it's not <laughs> it's not enjoyable I feel like I'm always missing out on something but um, that's gonna do it for our discussion here I think we will obviously be hearing a whole lot more about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth over the course of this year because as we said kind of at the top this feels like the like big big game that is coming out this year i have a feeling this will be in all the game of the year discussions all the I'm sure it'll sell like crazy too when it comes out next week i think it comes out on leap day i want to say yes. february 20 my wife's birthday so, so your wife is a, oh, is a my wife is a leap day. day baby it's 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 her 10th birthday no she's reached 10 <laughs> nice i know uh who else is that who else did i see recently i think tyrese halliburton on the pacers is that he's technically only five so that's fun. <laughs> um, anyway, we will be back next time with another episode of Quick Save as part of Comic Book Nation here. Again, if you are not subscribed to our Comic Book Nation channels, be sure to do so. I know Matt and Kofi have been doing a lot of breakdowns for season two of Halo recently. We've got a ton of other shows here as part of Comic Book Nation as well. We've got the pull list, which is all about comics. We've got our main show, which is a grab bag of everything pop culture related. So be sure to check out uh, all of those other shows here as part of Comic Book Nation. Uh, and yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. We will see you back here next time with another edition of Quick Save talking about whatever happens in the gaming industry next. So until that time, take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>